Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Doris Nagel, CEO of Globalocity. We're consultants helping companies successfully improve their indirect distribution channel sales, always focusing on partnering skills. We are delighted to have with us today Sophie Lechner as our guest to give us her perspectives about finding and using partners when expanding overseas particularly focusing on helping non-U.S. companies find great partners while building their businesses in the U.S. She is in a unique position to talk about some of these issues as she was born in Pakistan, but raised in France and now obviously living in the U.S. Her parents were French and Pakistani, so she learned early some of the many challenges of cross-cultural communication and finding your way around in different countries and and across borders. She (laughs) began her career as in-house legal counsel for Bouygues, then British Petroleum in France. After completing her MBA, she joined Pfizer in New York, where she led teams and projects across many countries. She pioneered the role of alliance manager there. Later, she joined Bayer, where she led multinational conferences and workshops, After spending 25 years in global strategy on multicultural teams, she founded her own company, Global Commerce Education, creating the G2 Experience Program to accelerate companies' global expansion. She's a certified cross-cultural trainer. She has a Bachelor's of Law from King's College in London, a Maîtrise de Droit and a DSS from the Université de Paris, Pantheon Sorbonne, (laughs) Sorry for my bad French accent. And a master's degree in business administration from Columbia University in New York. Sophie, I am so glad to have the chance to chat with you today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Doris. It's, uh, It's a pleasure and I look forward to our chat. Well, I think, Sophie, the natural place to start is to tell our listeners a little bit about your business model, how you came to that model, and how you use partnerships as part of that business model. Well, actually, partnership is at the core of the model. Without that, there is no program. So we found that companies who want to enter the U.S. market, and this is actually true for for any market entry, but that's where we focus, are usually overwhelmed with the the amount of information that they need to know. They don't know where to turn, who to ask for, for help. And we created this program is almost like a, a funnel to guide them in their in their market entry and, and guide them to figure out what they need to know because you know you, you need at any specific given point you need a specific type of information. So we guide them with that in terms of strategy, cross-cultural training and uh, meeting the right people. So the entire model rests on our very broad network of specialists in a bunch of different fields and we sort of curate the faculty for each group that comes in. Interesting. So I know partnering is fundamental and those of us who have done business internationally I think intuitively understand that you need partnerships but maybe you can elaborate for people who are new to international expansion why having some of these people at your fingertips is so important. 
Well, there's many, many levels at which this is important. The one thing that is probably the most apparent or the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that you're going to need a number of specialist professionals, service providers. So everybody knows you need, you're going to need a lawyer, especially if we, you set up an entity here. Depending on your industry, you may need some regulatory specialists. You're definitely going to need marketing help and advertising or promotional help, right. um, branding for sure. Um, so all those aspects you're going to need to have a specialist. And the issue is that there are dozens and hundreds and thousands of these service providers and how to choose is... Right. Um, it's really difficult. Right, because some will tell you they can do everything and that's unlikely. Some will tell you they can do this and that, but not these other mm -hmm. things. And so putting a patchwork yeah. together of, of the experts you need is probably a challenge for a lot of companies. Yes. And we found that a lot of people just go based on either recommendation from someone, which, you know, obviously is, is one of the important ways, but don't necessarily look into or investigate whether that particular provider is a good fit for them. They may be a good fit for whoever, whatever friend or, or, or colleague recommended them doesn't mean it, they're going to be a good fit for you. You know, there's size, there's language, there's experience, there's um, all kinds of criteria. So then you have the problem, of course, I'm sure this is true to an extent, more or less, depending on the countries you look at, but I'm just thinking of consultants who are hungry for business here in the U.S. specifically yeah. with companies who come mm -hmm. here. And most people who are service providers, their first reaction when somebody says, well, can you do this? Their answer is yes. Sure, I can do that for you. And they may absolutely. Have no experience yeah. whatsoever doing it, but uh, they figure having some business and figuring it out is is uh, is is better than saying no. So, yeah, and that's true. I mean, we always say, you know, as a good entrepreneur, when the client asks you something, you should always say yes. So, not to fault them in any way, I think, but. The bottom line is, as the buyer, you know, as the company coming into the U.S., you really need to do your due diligence. So the first, the first due diligence is, of course, you know, to check that they're a reputable company and, and the, you know, the basic due diligence. But then, it, it's really figuring out how to, how, you know, what questions to ask, how to assess whether they're, they are what you need, and they will see the different nuances that you need to um, to have explored. So th those are the things that we do. We're, we're, we're not a consultant. We're really a training. I like to call it a capacity building program because we, we will, for example, for a lawyer, we will help the, the companies find a number of different lawyers so they could choose from, but we also tell them what the criteria are and we help them learn, if you will, how to select for the good fit uh, in the different professions. So I know you help match companies. So in a way, you're a, a matchmaking company as well. But, but you, if I understand correctly, you put together a short list for companies. So let's say they need a lawyer or they need a tax expert. You might present to them a short list of recommended partners. Is that right? It is and it isn't, Doris. Uh, what happens is 
it's actually a program that we offer that companies come on. So we know ahead of time, of course, having worked with them a little bit, we know what they're going to need in terms of which professions. And we organize events where there might be a couple of lawyers and maybe perhaps a couple of their clients that can share their experiences and we do panel discussions and the the companies i forgot to mention that the program is really offered to groups of companies so it's not you don't really work one-on-one -on -one with companies it's always a group um, ah, interesting uh, yeah yeah so we we explore you know we ask the, the lawyers to cover you know the most important differences the the areas where companies need to really pay attention and be aware of some pitfalls and then we have the clients of those those professionals share some of their experiences you know things that went wrong when they first arrived or things that they were grateful they were pointed to by their advisors. So in that sense, yes, we do a pre-selection, but we don't just give lists of, of lawyers or you know other professions. So, so, so there's how, how do you find yeah. that short list of partners? How do you go about finding them and what are you looking for? Yes, so we have a very, like I said before, we have a very broad network and we and deep. And so if we don't find the right one, the right kind of lawyer, or I use lawyers as an example, just so easy, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the right kind of professional for, well, for this. if you come company. to the U.S., unfortunately, you do need yeah. lawyers. That's a, um, yeah. a sobering reality probably for a lot of companies. Yes. But anyway. Yes, true. So if we don't find that right professional immediately within our network, it's easy to find, you know, recommendations from from our own network because it's just so so broad. But the point being that we are quite selective in the uh, professionals that we bring in. They need to have that's kind of a non-starter. Otherwise, it's um, they need to have experience, uh, in-depth experience in the um, country of origin of the companies because otherwise you are you are juxtaposing someone from one system or one you know setting with someone from another and you can have a good in, in exchange of information but some of it will be lost along the way because the professional who's presenting is not necessarily going to know what the assumptions are that are in the in the client's mind in the in the participant's mind and maybe the participant doesn't even know the assumptions that they are making it's all about both of them don't know what they don't know right so if you have a professional who has worked in that country or is from that country or you know has a lot of clients from that country they're going to have a first insight into the types of assumptions and the types of misconceptions that the participants are going to have so that's that's critical that would seem right and then of course it's you know we choose a professional competence etc but also people that have a a mentality of uh, of helping and 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 educating some people are really oriented by nature to to just do the business and you know not ask right. many yeah. questions, just, just tend to the yeah. issue at hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just do it. But some some people, and quite a few, thankfully for us, 
are really very sharing and education oriented. It's amazing the number of professionals you talk to who really enjoy sharing their experience and sort of teaching, not just saying, oh, okay, this is what you need, get to me, I'll do it, and then you'll pay me. So that's that's good. I mean, so we have to we we interview these people. We don't call it an interview, but we know we have conversations with obviously all the people in our network that we bring in, and some people we just don't think are a good fit. Yeah. You know, if they're not that type. It's interesting that you mentioned the helping mentality for us as as a partnering company, if you will. Um, and we've even been thinking about using the tagline, the partnering people. It's very clear that to us that you need to consider both perspectives. And I mean, truly try to, to walk a mile in the other person's shoes in order mm-hmm. to be a good partner. And it seems to me that that's kind of what you're talking about here, too, mm-hmm. is is looking mm-hmm. for people who want to be a partner, not just an outsourced vendor for a client. Is that fair? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it needs to be beyond the transactional because if you're, and the boundaries are not necessarily as clear cut as I'm about to say, but if you're a U.S. person who needs a U.S. lawyer, maybe more transactional you know you kind of know what you need you're buying a house you need a contract but if you're coming from yeah right yeah it's 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 more straightforward whereas if you're coming from abroad if you're coming from abroad there's this huge layer of complexity added that requires you to to have to learn more about what uh, what the different options are and so that's where you need help Yeah, I think that one of the things that's important about any kind of international expansion is that companies often don't realize how small changes in the facts or how they're planning to go about doing something can totally change, Mm -hmm. for example, whether there's income tax that's triggered or not, Mm -hmm. or whether there's VAT that's triggered or not. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know where those boundaries are, companies often you find will say, well, I'm going to do this and we have these people and we're going to do this. But there's other things that they're doing that that are interconnected that change the answer you might give them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have a good example uh, with that. We we met a... um, young woman from the UK who had a food company in the in the UK and um, she came over here and she actually had um, organized some of the activities for herself and and she had called a number of food distributors here in the US because food distributors are the people that she does business with in the UK, they're the ones that go and promote her product and sell it to retailers, etc., which is what she needed. So, so when we met her, it was the first day of her trip, and she said, "Oh, I've got you know, 15 appointments with distributors," and she explained to us, and and we felt bad because she had actually set up meetings with a whole bunch of people that really were not at all the people she needed to talk to. So just on the fact that these people were called distributors, which is the same word and in the same language, she made a, a set of assumptions that these people's profession was the same as distributors in her country. And that was not the case at all. So 
she had basically wasted her time and this is such a simple quick thing that we could have explained to her and if we had been working with her she we would have set up the right meeting interesting so you you find some good partners for them in the functional areas that they need the kinds of issues mm -hmm. that they're going to need to deal with and mm -hmm. you give them the uh, introductions to these companies so how how do you help companies understand which one's the right fit for them. How do you help them understand if law firm A or law firm B or law firm C is really the best partner or best fit for them? Mm. Well, I think that I think the main thing is that we bring in all these people in as I said in the the panel discussions, but then we also hold um, a number of networking events where they get a chance to meet these different people, these different professions, and so that they have a an array to to choose from because just make an aside a lot of the trade missions and other types of organizations that help or purport to help companies in these kinds of situations will give one name or two names and just say okay call these people right and um in real life, you know, when you do business in your own country, that's not how you go about doing business. You don't just take one name and go. You meet all kinds of people. You you meet, I don't know, a whole set of, of different types of lawyers and marketers and all this, and, and you choose by talking to them. So we wanted to reproduce this, this setting. And so in the networking, they get a chance to to speak to all these people. So that's for the setting. Now for the criteria, we we share with the with the participants. We share what I was talking about before, you know, the experience, and because they're already sort of pre-selected by us, if you will, they are well adapted for for the participants. So then it's more a question of you know more the um, the chemistry, yeah. um, or how they feel, whether you know, they personally like, click or not. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have to worry as much about the, the, all the other uh, due diligence that you would have to do normally. Very interesting. What advice do you give to your clients in terms of how to manage these relationships? Because it seems to me, having worked with a lot of outsourced vendors, step number one, and this is true if you're looking for distributors in our channel management practice too, it's it's the first step is finding a good partner, but then mm -hmm. how you manage and communicate and evolve the relationship is just as important as finding the right partners. Mm -hmm. What advice do you give them on that? Well, at the beginning of the program, the first part of the program is a two-day workshop, if you will, in the home country where we cover issues of strategy, whether they've chosen the right strategy, etc. But a whole day is dedicated to cross-cultural understanding and cross-cultural training. So we ask the, the companies to fill in a questionnaire, which gives us an, some insight into how they approach cultural differences, sort of what, what type of um, profile cross-cultural profile they have and um, and then we do this training so you know it's not specifically about managing vendors 
but it's it's really about how to communicate with people from the target country in this case the US how do you how do you present your information how do you interact how do you uh, react to requests and you know those are all the outcomes but we go through the cultural underpinnings and differences so that helps them to understand the requests that are made of them you know and then to respond in a in an appropriate fashion you know, it's interesting. I know your company focuses on intercultural training, as you've mentioned, and it seems like many of the same skills that help people be successful across cultures are similar to those that help them be successful partners. Would you agree there's a lot of similarity? Yes, and the reason I think is that when we talk about cross-cultural training and cultural differences, we usually mean national differences and and defining people by their nationality is one dimension Mm -hmm. but it's one among many so there's people from different regions that may have different cultures people from different as i said departments that's the french way but you know um states States. in the u.s i mean yeah the 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 culture in the north and the south right are very different and then actually if you if you look further i mean there are differences in culture uh, between companies absolutely between departments and companies and i i wrote an article once that was basically the idea is that you know there really only is a culture of one everybody has <laughs> their own culture <laughs> so you know all these trainings are basically taking groups of people and looking at general trends of types of behaviors that come from basically history you know historical events you know the background that how the country evolved for example you look at the u.s and there's a very you know entrepreneurial mentality and individualistic and it's all from history people who wanted to do things differently and that's why they left europe mm-hmm. so I don't know, I've probably digressed at this point, but... <laughs> no, 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 but, so, so, but yeah. I, I agree with that. And one of the things that occurs to me that there's a huge similarity is that partnering effectively, at least as we define it, in part is about finding a common set of processes, a common mm-hmm. permission, if you will, to mm-hmm. resolve conflicts, to bring conflicts to light and to resolve mm-hmm. them in a way that's constructive. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't care how good you are at finding partners of any kind mm-hmm. or even how effective you are at managing those relationships, eventually there will be conflict and how you mm-hmm. manage the conflict is is a real acid test of the success of the relationship. And it seems Mm -hmm. to me that that's something that is true in terms of dealing across cultures, whether it's corporate Mm -hmm. cultures or national cultures or regional cultures, is Mm -hmm. you have to be able to understand how to resolve conflict effectively And uh, so I see see that as a real, Mm -hmm. a real similarity. Exactly. And, you know, everything in life is partnerships, really, when you look at it. I mean, you know, husband and wife, uh, you know, friends, colleagues. I mean, it's all partnerships. Yeah. And it's about communicating effectively and constructively. And it's about listening to each other. And it's about 
exactly as you said, you know, defining how to resolve conflict. So, I, yeah, the similarity, it's even more than similarity. I think it's, it's all the same thing, really. It's just a, maybe a different side of the same, the same yep. issue. Any last words of advice? Any any final thoughts for our listeners about how to do business effectively in the U.S. If there are companies who are who are listening who are maybe struggling with growing their business mm-hmm. in the U.S. or are thinking about coming to the U.S. Well, first of all, I'm in shock that we're already um, at the end of our time. I guess because I enjoy talking about this stuff. I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of companies that come to the U.S. specifically tend to think, you know, this is a big country. If I can go only get a little small market share, I'll be I'll do great. And that's really not the way to look at it, because U.S. consumers and I mean, U.S. people in general have become very well, I don't want to use the word sophisticated, but demanding, I would say, demanding of very personalized, individualized types of products and services. So the whole concept of finding a niche is extremely important and it can never, it, 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 it's, it's really very, very uh, important to understand that. And along with that, targeting a small, I want to say a small piece of the U.S. in a way. So either a state or uh, even a city, depending on your product. And within that, a specific niche, a specific demographic. It doesn't seem to make sense to a lot of people who come here. It's like, it's a huge country. Why would I target a tiny little segment of it? But that's how you can achieve success because that is going to be difficult. And once you do that, you can then expand more broadly. You know, it's a, that's an interesting observation. And I've seen it with companies we've talked to. Even companies who have been very successful in exporting to a number of other countries and mm-hmm. and they do it and they, you know, they find a good distributor and they get a toehold and then they start to grow the business and they come to the U.S. and they think, well, we're just going to do the same thing. We'll just find mm-hmm. uh, we'll just find our distributor and they'll get a toehold and we'll, you know, we'll build from there. And it's it it's hard to explain to them and to articulate exactly how different that is. Mm-hmm. It's so yes, it is. yeah, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. But any other any other final observations and thoughts? I think I think you know something that people don't usually consider is it's it's an adventure. <clears throat> it's um it, it it's it's fun, and if you are not in that mindset that it's going to be fun and interesting and if you're not curious about the differences but you're not going to do well basically You'll just um, be so yeah exactly i mean there are a lot of frustrations so you need to counterbalance that with with passion for learning for discovering for self-questioning you need to have that kind of mentality and otherwise you will not do well but if you have that mentality you'll enjoy every minute of it and the fact that it's going to take you three times the amount of time you think it is um (laughs) will be three times more fun (laughs) that's great advice sophie i think i think that's great advice for anyone looking to Mm. expand internationally so it uh it's been a real pleasure to have you with us today sophie thanks so much i appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us 
Thank you. It was a fun chat. <laughs> Great. Well, we obviously wish Global Commerce Education and the G2 Experience lots of success, and we'll watch the evolution of your company with lots of interest. Um, Thank you, Doris. And if any of the listeners would like to get in contact with Sophie, do you want to share your email with them? Yes, it's um, S. Lechner, my last name, so S-L-E-C-H-N-E-R at G-C-E email. So, yes, there are two E's in there, dot uh, com. Great. <laughs> well, that's a wrap for today. I hope our listeners have enjoyed our podcast about some of the challenges of building a business in the U.S. and the need for partnering to, to effectively penetrate the U.S. market. You can listen to interviews with many of our other guests by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, on Speakific, or on our website at www.globalocityservices.com. Thanks again for listening.